You can be open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. You know, I, I always try to tell you exactly where I'm, I'm at in life and what's going on in my life. I, I want you to, to know when my life's doing well and I want you to know when I'm in the middle of a battle uh, because you're going to have times when your life's doing well and you're going to have times when you're in the middle of a battle. And these last four or five days have just been uh, what I would call a, a real spiritual battle in, in my life. I think, I, I know God is uh, wanting me to understand some things about our future, how to, how to move to our future. Uh, and I'm trying to get it. And I have brief glimpses of excitement and then struggling to, take the next step and to understand it and uh, trying to understand how God wants all that to unfold. And it's, it's, I mean, it's left me with a headache to tell you the truth. I'm just, <laughs> I've just been struggling with some of this and I'm excited about what God wants to do and uh, yet feel like there's a call. Listen, God calls us to challenging things. God calls us to challenging things. If we don't follow challenging things, here's what I think God's, one of the things God's been revealing to me. If we don't willingly follow the challenging things that God would call us to, he allows other challenging things to come into our lives. So I, I want to I pursue the challenging things he calls us to. We're going to see that a little bit in this passage that we read here today. But I, I'm excited about what God's doing. 53 kids this week at camp. Wow, praise God. And I found myself praying all week, Lord, keep them healthy in this heat. Let them have a great time. But let them come back with a new touch of God's spirit upon them. Amen. And a new revelation of his truth. Exodus chapter 16 it says, they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, and on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, and I, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they, what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumbled against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. I want to talk to you about two, uh, two keys to living in right relationship with God. So let's, let's remind ourselves here for a moment 
what has happened so far in the book of Exodus. Uh, the children of Israel had been in Egypt. Uh, Joseph had been there and had, had been a great influence. But when we close out the book of Genesis, Joseph is dead. And now 400 years have gone by and they are no longer in favor. In fact, there's fear about how many of them there are. And they are turned to slaves. Now, in the Old Testament, there are what we call types. An Old Testament, a type is an Old Testament institution, person, place, or event regarded as anticipating the person of Jesus Christ or some aspect of Christian faith and life. So when you're reading through the Old Testament, as you grow in your reading of the Old Testament, you'll begin to recognize certain things that reflect Jesus or reflect Christian life. Noah's Ark is a type of salvation. Abraham offering Isaac is a type of God giving his son. The crossing of the Red Sea is a type of Christian commitment. Water from the rock is a type of Jesus Christ's provision for our needs. On and on and on throughout the Old Testament, you find this reflection of what's going to happen when Jesus comes and fulfills it all in the New Testament. This slavery that they are in is a type of sin. They were held in bondage. We are held in bondage. And God does this amazing work to set them free, and God does an amazing work to set us free. He did that for Israel, and he does that for us. And we see all of this with the final the destruction of the power of the enemy to hold them in place at the crossing of the Red Sea is this type of the destruction of what God wants to do of the sin in our life that holds us in place and keeps us from great freedom. And yet with all of these things that have happened, the plagues, they pillage the land, they cross the sea, the destruction of the Egyptian army, <laughs> with all of this going on, what you see in this group of Israelites is this continual bickering and grumbling towards God. This statement of wonder, this, this this was not, this was supposed to be a great glorious moment of faith for Israel, especially when they saw the Egyptian army. And yet they did not say when the Egyptian army was sweeping down on them from behind, they did not say, well, I wonder what God's going to do now. They just watched the plagues, they just watched the destruction of Egypt. Been, they were being led by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by the day, the very presence of God. And they don't say, hey, God's brought us this far. No, what they say is, we've been brought out here to get killed. Listen to what happens in, in, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel, Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi." Heherioth, uh, between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. 
For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. So capture this so we can understand how God does things. God led them to this place where there was no escape. He led them there. He took them right to that place. Sometimes God leads us to tough places. He takes us to places that we can't escape from on our own. Puts us in circumstances that we can't be delivered of on our own. He takes us to these tough places. Why? So that the world can see his power. So the world can see the power of God. Now, their problem was they were grumbling and complaining the whole time. Their questions were these. Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you let us out here to get killed? What have you done leading us out here? So instead of seeing all the things that God has done to bring them to that point, they're just seeing the problem that's right in front of them. This is one of the mistakes, common mistakes we make in life is we get so focused on the problem we forget about the one who's led us through other problems. Now, so they get through the, the Red Sea, the sea parts. They get through. The Egyptian army is destroyed. Uh, three days after the party, they get to Mara looking for water, and it is bitter. They cannot drink it. It's too bitter for them to drink. It's not good for them to drink. And once again, how do they respond? Do they respond with faith? Do they respond by saying, well, look, look what all God's done so far. He hasn't led us out here to die of thirst. He's promised us the promised land. No, they don't say that. They all, you just brought us out here to kill us of thirst. And they grumble again against Moses. So in three days, they have again turned from the party to the complaint. When, that, when, when the Egyptian army was destroyed, there's this huge party that happens. They celebrate. The Egyptian army has been destroyed. Three days later, they're grumbling, we need to go back to Egypt. Three days. That's not a very long faith cycle, is it? Three days, and they're wiped out, mad at Moses, mad at Aaron, ticked off at God. Now, God in his patience, God in his patience, and he gives them clean water, makes a, has them make a pledge, and, and we see this pledge in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 15. It said, and he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. There he tested them, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments 
and keep his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptian, the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your God. Then they came to Elam where they, where they were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So God is telling them, as he would tell us, be serious about my voice. Be serious about my commandments. Be serious about my statutes and the things that I would say. Get, turn your ear and your eyes to them because if you do them and you obey them, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. So now they come to, to this place and they camp there and they camp there for a, about two months. It's about two and a half months go by. And God, he just, he just lets them rest and kind of, you know, they're out there and they're resting, but, but it's time to get moving. It's time to start going. There's a promised land to get to. But they have no bread. So in Exodus chapter 16, it says, uh, they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between uh, Elam and Sinai on the 15th day in the second month, and they departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation, the people grumbled against Moses and the and, and the and Aaron in the wilderness. The people of Israel said to them, "Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." They're right back there again. Right back there again. Then the Lord said to them, said to Moses, "Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you." And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my, my laws or not. On the sixth day they will prepare what they bring in. It will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. What does it take for these people to understand they've been brought out of Egypt? I mean, what does it take for us to understand it? Our, our testing in issues of faith may be a little more subtle than theirs. But do we give attention to the fullness of the word and live by the word of God and the word of God alone? So the evening you shall know that the Lord brought you out and the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumbled against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. This will be the cycle. This will be the cycle for about the next 40 years. God will test them, and instead of having faith in God, they will grumble. They will at times rebel and they will face judgment instead of blessing and Moses will have to intervene for them time and time again. There are two keys to walking in a right relationship with God. Here's the first one, faith. The, the writer of Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, we have to remember to have faith, there has to be something out there 
that we don't understand how it's going to happen. Otherwise, it's not faith. If we can figure out how everything's going to happen, it's not faith at all. It's just, I got to figure it out. I know how it's going to happen. But God leads us to places and allows us in places so that we will show our true relationship with him. Do we have faith in him or don't we? Do we have faith in him or don't we? Do you really believe God? One of the most basic, simple tests of faith is tithing. Do I believe him or don't I? Do I trust him or don't I? In our relationships, how we act in our relationships, am I going to do this God's way or my way? Do I trust him or don't I? When the enemy whispers in your heart, are you really saved? Do you think God's really real? Do I trust him or don't I? The present circumstances always have to be weighed out in the light of God's promises. I look at them right now. I don't see an answer on my own, but I know the promise of God. You can't be men and women of faith until you face those moments where faith is required. I say this all the time. You've heard me say it dozens of times. You can't be a giant killer unless you face some giants. The giant has to show up. He's got to come and make the threat if you're going to be a giant killer. You know, you've, you've got to get led to the Red Sea if you're going to see the seas part. If you're going to see the miracle hand of God, the intervention of God, he's got to take us to places where we can't do it on our own, where we need him to intervene. And the question is, what, how are we going to act when we get to that place? Are we going to be like most of the children of Israel before David showed up, that when the giant comes out, we fall back in fear? Or are we going to be like David who says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the house of God? What are we going to be? So how do, I, how do we walk in faith? First of all, I would tell you it's important for you to recognize that from the day you were saved, you came to Christ till now, God has been trying to build your faith. And he does that step by step, little thing by little thing that happens in our life. And the little things get to be bigger and bigger and bigger things. And so we look back at our past and we ask ourselves, how has God delivered me in the past? What has God done for me up until now? How has he moved in my life in the past? The past movement of God in my life needs to inform my present circumstances. I need to look at those and say, okay, I remember when I was back there, I wondered how it was going to happen. I remember when I was back there, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I couldn't figure out how it was going to come together. But God did something. So I'm going to keep being obedient to God. The, 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 the risk is we stop being obedient to God and we start trying to do it on our own. And when you start doing it on your own, guess what? You are 
on your own. You don't want to be on your own. I, you don't want to be by the Red Sea on your own. You don't want the giant coming at you on your own. You want to be in the middle of faith. Here's the second thing. Remember how he works. Remember who you're dealing with here. Not only, how, not only what he's done for you, but remember how he works. Listen to how the psalmist put it. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. You know what I see people do in the day of their trouble? They stop. They don't go to church. They're, they're mad at God or they're upset with God. And I've heard people say, I'm really mad. This happened. I'm really mad at God. Well, why are you mad at God? God, God may have allowed it, but the devil's the problem. God's the deliverer. Let God be the deliverer. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my right hand is stretched out without, without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. Until, when I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled, I cannot speak. This guy's got problems. He can't sleep. He, 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 his spirit's weak. His eyelids are getting held open. He's moaning before God. Says I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let, rem- re- let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember the, your wonders of old. Now listen to verse 12. This, has been so, this is so freeing to me. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You and your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. He says, I will, I will ponder all your work. What does that mean? You're going through a problem, and what do, you, what do we typically think about in the middle of our trouble? Our trouble. That's why our eyes are held open. You're laying in bed thinking about your trouble. That's why you're moaning and your spirit's about to lose, you're losing heart, and you, you're losing strength because you're, 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 you're thinking about the problem. The, the psalmist says, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I'm all caught up in this thing. Has God forgotten his steadfast love? Is he, is he, is he not going to be compassionate? Is he, is he going to spurn me forever? No, 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 no. God's still out there. He's still God. He said, I'm going to ponder the works of God. Let me, this will help you if you'll listen. When you're going through a set of circumstances that are crushing, ponder the greatness of God. Think about him. Ponder the works of God. Why? Because when you begin to think about it, I'm I'm a child of the God who parts seas. I'm a child of the God 
who put, lets, the, lets the children of Israel walk through the fiery furnace and come out without a smell of smoke on them. I am a child of the, of, the, of the king who speaks and dead people come out of graves. I am a child of one who speaks and blind eyes are open, lame legs get strength. I am a child of the one who sent his son to die for me and paid the price and broke the stronghold of sin over my life. I, I am that one's child, and if he can do all of those things, this little piddly thing I'm facing is no big deal to him. It's no big deal to him. His steadfast love is sure. His compassion is sure. I can count on him. I can trust in him. But I've got to ponder those things. And what you'll find is before long, while you're pondering the things of God, you'll be off into sleep and rest. It's why I like to read the Psalms before I go to bed at night. I read the Psalms and I begin to see the things that the psalmists were going through and the answers God's given them, and I begin to learn from what, what they've walked through. And, and see, you've got to know his promises. You've got to know what the promises of God are. The children of Israel forgot what God's promise was. His promise was he was going to lead them out of Egypt to a land of milk and honey, a promised land. He wasn't going to lead them to Merah and leave them there. He wasn't going to lead them out in the desert without food and water and leave them there. They had to go through the desert. They had to face some trials. They had to face some things, but they had a promise. They were so confused and they, they lost sight of the promise that that whole generation missed the promise. All but two of them didn't get to experience the promised land because they forgot what God had promised. Like Caleb and Joshua, remember Caleb stood up and God, guys, he's done all this stuff for us. This, this promised land is no problem for him. Let's go take it. But they were so caught up in the circumstance, they forgot the promise until God finally said, so be it. Go wander in the wilderness. This whole generation is going to go. Wow. I don't want to be there, do you? We've got to, we've got to remember, his, we've got to be a people of faith. And a people of faith keep doing what God tells them to do even when they don't see how it's going to work out. They trust that God's going to work it out. They let God lead them. And they have joy in the process saying, well, isn't it going to be fun to see what God does now? I'll tell you what, the enemy will always send the party poopers around. He'll always send the naysayers. There'll always be the somebody with the next, the next thing God calls us to do. It's too big, it's too expensive, it's too hard. It's not for us. It's always going to be there. They will always be around. Men and women of faith have learned how to deal with them. You've got to be able to look at them and do what Jesus said. Get thee behind me, Satan. Enough of that. Don't want to hear it anymore. Done with it. God's called us to this. God's leading us in this. Let's move forward. Whether that's in your own life, 
See, there's a lot of people that God called them to something. Listen to me. This people, God called you to something and you're not doing it because of fear. Because somebody's told you you can't. God's called you to do it. You can wander in the wilderness your whole life or you can get about doing what God told you to do. Oh, but it looks hard. Yeah, to you it does. To God, it doesn't look hard at all. You gotta do it. Are you gonna step up and be what God's called you to be? Now here's the second thing. <sighs> we have to be obedient. Disobedience is rebellion. Some people keep getting in trouble because they keep disobeying. Remember what he said to him? He said, listen, give yourself. Know my, here's the deal I'm making. Know my statutes. Know my commandments. Turn your eye to them. Listen for them. Pay attention to them. Listen, friends, we at the church, the true church of Jesus, cannot compromise in the face of a culture that's telling us to surrender our beliefs and to walk another way. We've got to stay focused on being what Jesus would have us to be. We've got to speak the truth even when the world tells us to be quiet. Now listen what happens here. Next is chapter 16. So Moses has told them God's going to supply you know, bread in the morning and meat at night and, and uh, you know, only gather enough for that day except on the sixth day. You can gather twice as much on the sixth day and God will keep it. And, but on the other days, just just enough for that day. And this, here they go. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered each as much as he could eat, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to, for, to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded. And it, didn't, and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is the Sabbath for the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together. But they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place, let no one go out of, of, of his place on the seventh day, so the people rest on the seventh day. So hear me. Some people, some Christians, have worm-infested lives because of disobedience. And they ask, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Where's God? They've been, they're being disobedient. They're trying to grab a hold of things they shouldn't grab a hold of, do what they shouldn't do. They're being disobedient. And their lives 
stink because of it. Do they love God? Yeah, they come to church. They love God. They, 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 they believe in Jesus. They just, they, they just haven't learned to be obedient. They, they're trying to do it their own way instead of God's way. Others are without peace because they are looking for food. They're looking for something when they should be resting in Jesus. So listen, you don't want to be there. Here's what I want to do. I want to be a person that recognizes God's going to lead me to places at times and I'm going to have to have faith. There's going to be issues in my life that are going to come and I'm going to have to have faith. I'm going to have to believe his promise. I'm going to have to learn from what I've happened in my past, learn from who he is, ponder what he's done, hang on to his promises and keep doing the right thing. I've got to be obedient. So on that Day when I go out to collect what God's told me to collect and he's only told me to collect so much, don't collect more. Do what God told you to do. Don't try to do it outside of God's plan. Be obedient. And on that sixth day when he says, okay, you can get a bunch now. You can get a bunch. Get enough for two days. Then get a bunch. But whatever it is, be obedient. But here's the key. He says, listen to my statutes. Turn your eye to them. Turn your ear to them. This is why we need to be reading the word. This is why we need to be studying the word. Listen, no preacher, pastor, teacher can teach you enough two days a week to get you there. We can help give you some insight. We can help push you along. But at some point in time, you've got to say, I am want to know God's way and I'm going to open up his word and begin to seek it out amen bless the Lord let's stand up let's stand together God bless you Father I thank you for this church and Father you, you, you've brought us many many times the challenges and the moments of faith and Many have responded, Father, in their work and their effort and their words, Father, in giving and in many, many other ways. And Father, we put our faith in you. Many have trusted you and their relationships and Father, in the key areas of life. Let us know your word. I pray that right in this room that we would be a people of faith. We would trust you that we would know that your, what your word tells us to do, we should do. What your word tells us not to do, we should not make excuses for. Let us be a people of faith and a people of obedience. Bless us and guide us as we do that, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you. God loves you. Go in the name of the Lord today and may his joy be in your heart.